Hello and welcome. This is The Dan Chronicles, a free newsletter and podcast where each month I find five interesting things that I think you should know about. It's February 2024. I'm Dan Berg, and let's get this podcast started. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition. It's kind of exciting. This winter, we finally saw the end of New York City's 700-day snow drought. The sad thing is that it didn't really stick much. I mean, we got 1.4 inches that lightly blanketed Central Park on January 16th, and that is what officially broke the drought. We got zero snow last winter, so the last major snowfall was in February of 2022, which... Again, 700 days. That's wild. So we got a few additional inches of snow here in New York City since then, including this past weekend. I'm looking outside at a nice little blanketing of snow. And you know what? I'll take it, right? It's a far cry from when I first moved to New York nearly two decades ago. When I first moved here, there could be whole weeks or months in the winter where there were snow piles on the ground that were not melting, and everybody would complain about it because it made the commute pretty terrible. Um, But honestly, now that it's not here, uh, I just sort of miss it. But we got some snow. We did. And so I'll just take the win and and I'll shut up about it now. With that said, let's just get into the stories. Almost ready to give up on The Curse, which is the Showtime series starring Nathan Fielder, Emma Stone, and Benny Sadfi. But I'm really, I'm so glad that I made it through to the end of the series. It's very much an uncomfortable show to watch. It's more in line with the Sadfi Brothers movie, think like Uncut Gems or Good Time, rather than what you might expect from Nathan Fielder, such as Nathan for You. Very much not that. And you'll likely be very uncomfortable through a vast majority of the scenes in The Curse. It is by design. It is very unpleasant. But after several episodes, you'll learn to, I don't know, live with the unpleasantness. Maybe you'll actually start to find some pleasure in it, in the same way you might enjoy a sense of terror you feel when you're watching a scary movie. And when you make it to the end of the series and you finish that finale you'll realize that the curse is actually art. And there's a reason why people are saying that it's the best thing on television since Twin Peaks. You also may realize that there are a ton of interviews with the creators from after different screenings of different episodes that they had at Lincoln Center. And there's even a Q&A with the creators, Benny Sadfi and Nathan Fielder, that's not moderated by none other than Christopher Nolan. And all of that content, if you consume it, will only increase your enjoyment of the series. And honestly, if you haven't watched The Curse yet, what are you even doing? There's been a lot of hype this past month about the return of a much-loved-to-do app for the iPhone. It's called Clear, and they just released an updated and refreshed version of the original app, which was called Clear, and that original app was really revolutionary when it first launched due to its use of swipes and gestures for controls rather than buttons. It was just really innovative and really great. 
I've personally been testing the beta version of this new version of the app for almost a year now. And so I'm super excited to tell you that you can finally download it for yourself. It's available publicly. It's also monetized in a very user-friendly way. So the full app and all of the functionality is completely free, but it has themes and other customizations that cost small fees. And I honestly wish more applications would have a monetization structure like this. And I will say too, it's been really validating to see such love and praise for this app sequel, the new one that came out, because I've been loving and using this app from the very beginning. I even interviewed the creator of Clear, his name is Dan Council, uh, on my old podcast. There was an episode way back in 2014 where we talked about this. So that's definitely a throwback for you. I will say, unfortunately, or fortunately, I guess, the app is iPhone only. But I guess if you're using Android, I'm sure you're probably used to certain applications being iPhone only for now. So I have to say sorry to all of you Android heads out there, um, but this is another section that is specifically for iPhone users. I just need to bring it up because there is a new feature in iOS 17.3 that you should immediately enable. It's called stolen device protection. Uh, And in the, the newsletter, I have some easy instructions, a link to some easy instructions for turning it on. And I'm mentioning it here because it's important, but also because the story of how this feature came to exist is actually super interesting. So it goes back into February of 2023, so February of 2023, and the Wall Street Journal's Joanna Stern and Nicole Nguyen released a damning investigative piece about the tactics that thieves use to steal iPhones. So the tactic is dead simple. By watching a victim enter their passcode, which is easier than you might think, the thieves could then change the Apple passcode, disable Find My iPhone, and then access really sensitive accounts like banks and things using the iCloud password keychain. It was a grift that exploited the weakest point in cybersecurity, which always is the user. Shortly after that story was published, Apple announced a new feature that was launching into the beta of iOS called Stolen Device Protection. Apple didn't say that this feature was introduced because of the article, but it 100% addressed the issue. So when enabled, it does two things. First is you'll need Face ID or Touch ID authentication for certain actions, such as accessing passwords and credit card information. So a passcode alone won't do it. And second, it implements a one-hour wait time plus additional biomarker checks if you want to change your password when you're away or like you are in an unfamiliar place. So this feature is out right now, and there's literally no reason why you shouldn't just enable it if you are an iPhone user. And one more thing I want to share. So when Apple released this new security feature slash patch, the Wall Street Journal published a follow-up to its original story, which I also link in the newsletter, and it dives into the more sensitive details about the actual tactics that thieves used to social engineer victims into revealing their passcodes and handing over their phones. And as I mentioned, it was way easier than you might think. It involved going to bars, striking up conversations, flirting with people, and very quickly, people would just willingly hand over their phone to these thieves who would then disable everything, steal everything, and be gone immediately.
newsletter and this podcast you're listening. I also create and publish content on other places, specifically my personal website, danb.org, D-A-N-N-B.org. And in fact, I recently published an article that's probably way too long, way too many words about the Apple Vision Pro. My too long didn't read of my impressions is that VR is becoming something a bit different than what we had originally imagined. So I think we originally thought something like the Matrix and that was virtual reality. But this new vision, this new implementation of VR is different and actually, I think, much more compelling. I think that there's actually a future here. So definitely check out my website if you want to read way too many words about that. Uh, And also, I want to take a moment just to plug a long dormant YouTube channel of mine, as I've had a bit more free time since being laid off last month, and I've been publishing some additional videos. I've been kicking things off with turning a few of my popular blog posts into videos, and it's just been really rewarding. So definitely check that out and subscribe if you feel inspired, and I think I'm going to keep creating stuff there too. story this month is about artificial intelligence, because AI at this point for me has been an integral part of my daily life. I literally use it all the time. And as somebody that uses it all the time, I know that it is not perfect or even close to perfect. In fact, it is wrong more often than it is right. But for certain tasks, it really is kind of like a superpower. I feel like a lot of people have some misconceptions about how AI can fit into somebody's workflow. So I wanted to share some details about a real world application of AI that I literally just completed. This was earlier today. So Kagi, which I've mentioned in the newsletter before, Kagi is a Google search alternative that I absolutely love. I've written about on my blog as well. And Kagi has this cool product called Universal Summarizer. Basically, what it allows you to do is give it a URL of an article. It could be a blog post. It could be a research paper. It could be a YouTube video. It could be a podcast episode. All of these possibly long, lengthy things, you feed it into Universal Summarizer, and it gives you an AI-assisted summary in just seconds. It is fantastic. So I use it all the time. And it's especially useful for lengthy video or audio content, where I usually just skip consuming it all together. Uh, And for articles, it's a really good way to decide if I actually want to take the time to read the full piece, or if I think the summary here is enough for me just to get the gist. It's a really great tool. So typically, using the universal summarizer, for me, looks something like this. I would be on a page that I want summarized. I would click into the URL bar. I would copy that URL. I would open a new tab. I would navigate to Universal Summarizer. I would paste the URL into the proper field and then click Summarize. So pretty basic, but it also is a lot of different steps. And I really wanted to find a way to automate some of that and remove some of the work. So for me, I was kind of like, this will be better suited for a browser extension. But I've never personally written a browser extension before. So enter ChatGPT. I described the functionality that I wanted, and within 30 minutes, I had a working browser extension, which if you go to my newsletter, you can see it's now on GitHub, so you can take a look at this. Every time I got an error or there was a modification I wanted to make, I just asked, and I quickly got an answer from AI. And 
Before ChatGPT, I theoretically could have figured out how to make a browser extension on my own, but I probably wouldn't have. That's just not how I would have spent my time because I knew it would have taken a lot longer than it does now. So now, thanks to AI, I have a useful tool that simplifies this regular workflow of mine uh, and a cool project that I can show off on GitHub. And I would say the entire thing took me maybe 45 minutes. So AI is amazing for things like this. And it really makes me ask the question, what things can I be automating? And can I have AI help me make those automations? And that brings us to the end of the newsletter. If you've enjoyed this, please, I ask you share it with a friend. Tell them to sign up. Uh, there's a link on my website, which is dannb.org, or you can find it directly on Substack, which is dannberg.substack.com. And again, happy February 2024, and I will see you next month.